Good morning. Welcome to Mayflower Church, where we believe that faith is a journey. God is so good. Jesus saves, and the Spirit leads us to faith, hope, and love as we honor the dignity of all God's people. If you're here in person worshiping or online, we're so glad to have you here. If you'll take a minute to sign the friendship registers, we would appreciate that. The prayer cards that you'll find in your pew, they will be collected during the um, offering hymn. So we can fill those out and we will gather those from you. It has been an amazing week here at Mayflower. Joel Skuntanis, an artist from Holland, Michigan, has been with us all week. And throughout the week, children and youth have come and they have painted in the hallway and it has just brought... I didn't realize how much I personally needed it, but so much life and so much brightness and so much joy. So you will see pictures in your bulletin of the progress, but please take a minute after the service to go down the hallway and see it for yourself. It's the hallway right across from the church office. And so as we spent a week with Joel, we got to know him better, and he is currently on a nationwide book tour with his book, The 40, 40, The Gospels, where he takes 40 of the stories from the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and he um, paints in his amazing style the interpretation of those stories. So this book and the devotion will be on sale there in the atrium for um, the next couple weeks if you're interested. And now I'd like to invite Rachel Haddad to give a pastoral search committee update. Good morning, everybody. As Rachel Cooley mentioned, my name is Rachel Haddad, and I'm part of the Pastor Search Committee. As a committee, we have been meeting often and with focused intention, and we continue to feel confident that we will find the right candidate for Mayflower. We are currently engaged with two pastoral candidates. We have spent numerous hours interviewing one of the two candidates and his family via Zoom. We will conduct another interview with this candidate the week of January 17th, or this coming week. Our search firm has conducted several preliminary interviews with him as well, and recently pulled a background check and several references, which were excellent. This candidate is a PhD-level pastor from the Midwest and has served churches both in the USA and abroad. He aligns with many of the traits Mayflower identified as important in our next pastor. A second candidate recently completed preliminary interviews with our search firm. We anticipate speaking with this candidate also in the week ahead. We continue to feel hopeful that we are on the right path, and we ask for your continued prayers. As always, if you have any questions or concerns, please reach out to our committee. We assure you we are working hard to find the next candidate to support Mayflower in her next chapter. Thank you. So wonderful to have the choir back with us today. Yes, it's so wonderful when they're helping us lead music. Um, Their anthem uh, was chosen to fit with Ruth's sermon, uh, A New Formation, 
And it takes the words, the text from Psalm 19. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. And so as we explore what it means to be formed, um, the middle hymn, which we will sing right before the scripture reading, uh, encourages us and invites us to create space and time and silence so hope can enter. Let us come in from the night now past. Let us take off our coats. Let the weight fall off from our shoulders. For here we are known. Here we are loved. Let us come in from the cold of winter. Together we can help each other discover who God wants us to become. When the world unravels from under our feet, we should come in. Come in, for God is here, and here in this place we find our home. Here we will never be alone. So let us now worship the God who weaves us together. Amen.
Let us pray. High King of heaven, you are ruler of all that is and of all that ever will be. And yet where you long to be most is here with us. Once again, as you always do without fail, you have given each of us the start of a new day. And with each day, you invite us to the start of something new. You invite us to trust you, but we would rather trust wind and gravity. You invite us to believe in ourselves, but we've never been very good at that. You invite us to move, to change, to take risks, but we would rather stay planted where we are, afraid of what growth and change might do to our lives. Forgive us, quiet us, and in this stillness, guide us to become new creatures in you. Amen. I'd like to invite all the children worshiping with us to come forward for the children's message. here going to look at the picture I have in my hand, but if you're sitting in the pews, pull out your bulletins, and you're going to look at the picture on the front of the bulletin, and I want you to look closely and think, what do you think, or who do you think made these sand sculptures? What do you think, Blair? Oh my gosh, you guessed it the very first time. <laughs> You're right. This happened a couple weeks ago in Muskegon on the beach. The wind came through the frozen sandy beaches and made these amazing, beautiful sand sculptures. Have you ever seen something like this? Me either. They do. And I think even if we tried to make these sand sculptures... I don't think we could do it, do you? No, I know I certainly couldn't. And it made me think how delicate but yet powerful the wind had to be to make these, didn't it? Because if, if it was too powerful, it would just blow them all down, and there would be no sculpture to be left. So it had to be a little bit delicate, but it had to be powerful enough to move frozen sand. And so I always think, makes me think that God in our lives 
He can do the same thing. If we're having a hard time with a friend or we're having a hard time with a class or just something's really bugging us, if we come to God and we say, will you help us, he can use his power, but yet his gentleness to help us make something beautiful out of something hard. Let's pray together, please. Lord, we're so thankful for your power, but also for your peaceful, gentle ways. May you be with us through our hard times, and may you bring us to something more beautiful than we ever could have imagined. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to walk with you guys to our Sunday school hour. So if you want to come with me.
For today's reading, uh, you can turn to page 833 in the Pew Bible, and for everyone, Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 through 29. While we're waiting, I'd like to thank Ruth, because unlike Eric's reading from Genesis last week, which seemed like the entire book, this is mercifully short. Thank you, Ruth. We proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. And if you turn to page 828, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Holy One, we are thinking this morning about what it means to be spiritually formed. So please take the words spoken the lyrics sung, the prayers prayed, and take them from our heads to our hearts. Embed these lessons deep in our bones. Lead us to be mature followers of Jesus, both individually and as a church family. Oh, Lord, use this time here and now, as well as the season we are living through, to draw us closer to you. May we be transformed, transformed into your likeness, this is our heart's desire. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This week, I've been thinking a lot about maturity and immaturity. On the website Modern Therapy Online, I found a list of how to become more mature. Ten things you can do to be a mature person. It's actually a very good list. Set goals. Practice self-control, stay persistent, respect other people's opinions, build self-confidence, take ownership, listen more, avoid negativity, make sacrifices, and give back. These are all pretty wonderful traits to foster, aren't they? And perhaps you could think of a few more to add to this list, but nevertheless, if you want to be a more mature person, these ten things would probably point you in the right direction. Maturing is an important process, isn't it? There are four stages of maturity as our physical development as human beings. Infancy, childhood, adolescence, and adulthood. When you think of the two words, adolescence and maturity, what comes to mind? 
Where might you place the apex of immaturity? Infancy, maybe. Or perhaps middle school. One of my children is currently in seventh grade, so I often feel like we are living on this threshold of growth, this threshold of maturity, and it is quite something to experience. Do you remember seventh grade? Mm Mm-hmm. Having a house full of seventh graders, or at our house it's often a hot tub full, it's quite entertaining, and I have to admit, sometimes quite smelly. But it's also fun and bursting with potential. This stage between childhood and adulthood is incredibly transformative. There's so much about to happen. But aren't there several stages throughout our lives when we find ourselves at some sort of threshold, some kind of opportunity for maturing or transforming? Our theme this month and next here at Mayflower is What's New in 22? Last week, Steve began our series with new creation, and he seeded this idea that we are on a journey of transformation. God's power and care were present in creation and are present with us today. Our series will cover topics like new call, new love, new hope, but this morning's is new formation. Is our formation undergoing some creation or new birth? Are we as Christians on a transformative journey? And is this leading us to greater maturity? In light of our scripture this morning, both passages we read mention being mature or perfect in Christ. Colossians reads, he's the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone in all wisdom so we may present everyone fully mature in Christ, is one translation. And in Ephesians, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. There is growth and physical maturity as humans in these amazing bodies God gave us, but there is a maturity that's spiritual, and it begs new formation, transformation. And this happens in each of us individually, but also as a church, as a body of believers. So perhaps these are the questions for us to pose this morning. How do I become more mature? How do we become more mature? In Paul's letters, he's writing to newly formed communities of believers and addressing the issues they face in their formation. In Colossae, for example, there was a great tendency to mix religious practices and create kind of these odd new hybrids, like worshiping angels was one of their issues. Paul's letter continues to point to the centrality of Christ. Be like Jesus. Be unified in him. Do not fall prey to the whims of all these other religions and other ideas that take you off course. In many ways, Paul's letter to the Ephesians mirrors Colossians. Focus on Jesus. Begin this whole new life, this new way of being. Yourself individually and collectively as a group of believers. God has given us what we need to walk in the light of Christ and grow in maturity. So go do it. Why is this so hard? Clearly it was difficult for the churches of Colossae and Ephesus. And if we're honest, it's really hard for us too. We're so easily distracted, so easily swayed. Plus, life is hard. So I want to pause here. 
and hold a bit of a family meeting, a Mayflower family meeting. Do you guys have those sometimes? When you call the family meeting, do the kids go, ah, family meeting? (laughs) Scary. Yeah, let's have a family meeting. There are lots of questions and comments that have been circulating recently in our congregation, and I'd like to address some of these. First, quite obviously, where is everyone? What's happening? Are we okay? Second, what do we need to do? What is the invitation being extended extended to us in this unique season? But let's start with where is everyone? If you would all, if you can, turn, and if you see there's a camera right under the clock, you can see a little blue light. Can you wave? Guess what? We have a huge number and growing number of people who live stream. We see you, kind of. (laughs) You maybe see us. Hi. Uh, We have so many people watching and lots of visitors watching, too, from all over the world. So welcome. We're happy you're with us. For a lot of people, that's the safest way they can join us. And for many reasons, that's, that's okay. That's significant. We wish we were all in this space together, don't we? But right now, it's not possible. So we can celebrate our continued connection. We can be grateful. Last Sunday morning, world-renowned artist Joel Schoontanis was here to launch our mural project with the youth of the church. Rachel mentioned that in her announcement. After publicizing this extraordinary opportunity, if you were here last Sunday, you noticed six kids were here. We sent postcards, emails, inviting all the children of our church, and we had six. Well, Sunday morning apparently was not the time our young muralist came to paint and join Joel in this amazing experience. Guess what? They came Sunday night. They came Wednesday night. They came Thursday night. They came all week. And if you walk down our back hallway, if you haven't already, it's astonishing, absolutely astonishing, this incredible piece of art that will be permanently installed at Mayflower Church. We can pause and we can be grateful. Earlier this week, one of the committees of the church met, and a dedicated committee member had to stop the meeting to ask, in a humble confession, who is this Pastor Steve you keep referring to? This member, who serves faithfully and is engaged in several areas of Mayflower ministry, simply has not been to Sunday services and did not know that I have a co-pastor named Steve. Okay, again, probably for a host of reasons, this particular individual has not been able to connect on Sundays. Yet, this person connects in other meaningful ways within the ministry of Mayflower. Others of you come on Sundays faithfully or, or you watch the live stream faithfully, but you don't have the capacity to perhaps serve on a committee or in other areas. What we can choose to be is grateful for the myriad ways people are engaging with the ministry of this church, sometimes virtually, not always on Sundays. But the fact that there are ongoing connections is worth celebrating, isn't it? And then, of course, COVID. How much has COVID impacted all we do? I really don't even want to say that word out loud. Aren't you sick of it? But how can we not address the reality of a virus that continues to wreak havoc on so many areas of our lives? As a parent of a middle schooler, I get emails every day about how many new cases are reported in the school every day. I'm tired. I know we all simply want COVID to go away, 
It's been almost two years, and we're confused and exhausted. COVID has really messed with our plans, hasn't it? I know there are some people for whom these years of COVID have been incredible. Oh, they've started businesses. They've written books. They've gotten the best shape of their lives. These folks are out there. They're on social media, and they're totally annoying. For the majority of us, these last many months have included a kind of bizarre survival lesson. The pressures to navigate the rapidly changing landscape of what is safe and what is dangerous have been extraordinary. How can we make decisions about our lives and our futures when we don't know if it's okay to go outside, let alone hug a loved one or get on a plane? This question, are we okay, is a valid one. But let's press on to the other questions. What do we need to do? What is the invitation being extended in this unique season? Perhaps Paul's words have new meaning for us now. He was not addressing churches infected and affected by COVID. He was addressing fledgling churches being persecuted. Yet, maybe his words can apply to us. He is the one we proclaim, so we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind. Instead, we will grow to become the mature body of Christ. This question of what we need to do could better be phrased, how should we be formed? What does our new formation look like? Make no mistake, we are being formed all the time. Whether it's the emails I get from the middle school, my news feed, what the neighbors say, how my time, talent, and treasure are being invested. The forming is happening, whether we acknowledge it or not. What is forming us individually and collectively? Where is our spiritual formation? What practices and habits are forming us to be more mature followers of Christ? Church attendance and Sunday participation are but one of many practices. Can you think of others? I found myself over this holiday break stuck in a waiting room. I sat by our large picture window, and I noticed the card on the table with all the, the Wi-Fi password information. And I could have filled my time waiting by catching up on all my smartphone has to offer. But instead, I sat and looked out this particular window and watched the wildlife outside. You see, someone had strategically placed bird feeders and seed near the window, along with carrots dangling from tree branches. And I sat and observed the squirrels, the birds, the wild turkeys, and all manner of small animals scampering around this wooded space. I was in awe of the creativity of God to make such interesting creatures. I had an opportunity to be formed by this space and time, and I realized my need to slow down, to pay attention to what God had to show me. Maybe you feel that way too. A friend of mine is quite significantly immunocompromised and has spent the months of COVID in her home. Perhaps she's watching the animals in her yard. And this week, she told me that her despair over the limitations COVID has imposed on her have become unbearable. She said she's going to back, back to work as a healthcare professional. She said she would rather die from helping people than stay alive in isolation. 
Her desire to be used by God is forming her, isn't it? Her formation and mine in this season might not look the same. Yours might also be unique. But it's good for us all to question, what are those habits and practices that occupy my days, and are they forming me to be more like Christ? As a Mayflower family, are our habits and practices forming us to be a church that mirrors the way of Christ? Paul's pleas in these letters to new churches are about growing as a community. Yes, do the work on your own soul. But in this community of believers, not only are the isolation and loneliness of this world addressed, but the light, the hope, the love of Christ is so evidently on display. So, Mayflower family, where are we going? What are we being prepared for? There's an invitation that has been extended to us. But I realize no one RSVPs anymore. It seems that culturally everyone is hesitant to make a commitment because something better might come along. Yet isn't this invitation to be formed into mature Christians the most important one? Do we toss this invitation onto the proverbial stack of mail on the counter? Do we delete the evite from the inbox? Or do we respond? There are entire schools dedicated to this practice of spiritual formation. There are abundant resources available, but what exactly does this term mean? One seminary posted this statement about spiritual formation. We experience God as embodied human beings. This experience includes our minds, what we know, and also our emotions, will, personality, and body. God wants to transform all of who we are. Many scholars look at spiritual disciplines and practices as a pathway to authentic formation. In Richard Foster's seminal book, Celebration of the Disciplines, he includes lists of disciplines for spiritual formation. Many of these are familiar to you. Internal ones, like meditation, prayer, fasting, study. External ones, like simplicity, solitude, submission, and service. And corporate disciplines, like for our church, confession, worship, guidance, and celebration. I like that last one. How does this land for you? In this crazy pandemic time, are you feeling pulled to incorporate some disciplines or practices in order to usher in a new formation? Is this idea challenging? On this weekend, commemorating the life and legacy of Martin Luther King Jr., I want to add another practice and discipline to this list. Let us not forget the work we have to do individually and collectively as anti-racists. Last January... My MLK-themed sermon was uncomfortable for some of you. I do not apologize for the discomfort, but I will acknowledge it. The question remaining is, have we opened ourselves to the formation God has invited us into with regard to how we address issues of race and racism in our history and in our midst? Last year, we posted on our website a vast array of resources for each of you and all of us collectively to engage in anti-racist work, or should I say, anti-racist formation. And please note that this list is still available if you are interested. As you ponder Richard Foster's list of disciplines or my examples of formation practice, I wonder, do you have ideas for how we as a community could engage some of these? 
I hope you do. And you know what I hope you do with that? I hope you call the church. I hope you email me, ruth at mayflowerchurch.org, and send me your suggestions. I hope you talk to your friends. I hope you go out at coffee hour and you start talking about what are some things we could do collectively. Doesn't that feel energizing and exciting? We have this invitation. Let's respond. Can we grow a community like the one Apostle Paul is pointing us toward? One that grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I began my sermon with a list, 10 ways to become more mature. And I'm going to conclude with a list of 10 signs that you have matured that I found on lifehack.org. You listen more and talk less. You do not shy away from responsibilities. You are less argumentative and more accommodating. You enjoy each season. You wear a smile on your face. You love children and elders. You save more than you spend. You indulge more in reading. You take care of yourself as well as others. And lastly, you seek the signs of maturity. That's another great list, isn't it? It's amazing what you can find online when you Google maturity. (laughs) How might these principles and practices apply to our spiritual formation? Rather nicely, I propose. The invitation to be a people and a church who are seeking formation and maturity in Christ is wide open for you to engage and for us to engage. I'm excited to see how we respond. Perhaps those around us will notice how God is shaping us, like those incredible sand sculptures on the shores of Lake Michigan, unique, beautiful, and divine. In the name of the Creator Christ and Holy Spirit, amen. Now is the time in our service that we are offered the opportunity, whether we're here in the sanctuary or worshiping online, to give back from the bounty which God has blessed every single one of us with. The ushers may now come forward.
Will you pray with me? Lord, we come to you during this time of offering, knowing that it is by your grace and love that we are able to give anything at all. May we understand that the blessings of employment, health, family and friendships, purpose and joy should not be taken for granted, but instead be acknowledged and appreciated every day. May we continue to be a blessing as we have been so lovingly blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can you hear me? That's always the question. Can you hear me? It's time for our congregational prayer. And I want to thank you. Um, Several of you filled out prayer cards. um, And it's an honor and a privilege to get to pray for each other in this manner. So we will pray through these these requests. And then if you noticed in uh, some of the, both of the lists I shared about maturity, the word listen came up. Listen more, talk less. So I think so often we give kind of our grocery list to God and then say, amen. Do we take some time to listen? So we're going to have a little time of silence before our song response. And I pray that you can clear the clutter from your mind and heart. And perhaps God has something to share with you this morning. So let us pray. Oh, holy one. What a sacred time we get to spend together in this, this sanctuary, this physical sanctuary and this virtual sanctuary together in worship and praise of you. And Lord, there are some heavy requests that have been submitted this morning that have been happening this week. Loss and illness. So Lord, we give you our hearts. We give you all of the requests, the ones that have been shared and spoken and the ones that are held silent. You know our hearts and you know what we need. Lord, we pray for Steve Wirt's family, 52 years old. Steve went home to be with you this week and leaves three teenage and young adult children. We pray for your loving arms of comfort, comfort to wrap around that family. Lord, we pray for the McLean family, McLean family on the unexpected passing of James McLean, a husband, a father, and a grandfather, a friend to many here at Mayflower. We pray for the peace and comfort of you to just settle on them at this time. And Lord, we pray for Rachel Haddad's precious grandfather, Echo Blair, who at 99 years old has recently been hospitalized. We thank you for his life and legacy and what a tremendous influence he's been on their family. And we pray for his health and healing at this time. And Lord, we can't help but pray for all those who are struggling with COVID. Elderly neighbors, children in the schools, families who've had to reroute so many things in their schedules because someone has become ill. Lord, show us through this dark time, this scary, weird time, show us what we should be doing, how we should be praying, where we should be going or not going. We need your guidance. We need your divine guidance. And we pray for the doctors, the nurses, the healthcare workers, the frontline workers who are completely overwhelmed. 
Lord, be with them at this time. Empower them. We are grateful for them. Thank you for this church, that we can gather, that we can praise you freely. And Lord, we just pray for you to transform us, mature us, to be more like Christ. And as we are on this journey of transformation, help us to listen well. In this moment of silence, Lord, speak to our hearts what you have to share with us this morning. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. Hear our prayers. Let us all now join our hearts and our voices in the prayer Jesus taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
We experience God as embodied human beings. This experience includes our minds, what we know, also our emotions, will, personality, and body. God wants to transform all of who we are. May we embrace this invitation for transformation, and may we shine with the light and love of Christ. Amen.